and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and this is the last of our Premier League previews. We have saved the best till last in terms of points gained last season. Today, it's Manchester City. If you want to hear our, oh, what did we do? Uh, Tottenham, Chelsea, Manchester United, Everton, Liverpool or Arsenal previews, go back in the feed and you will find them. Today's guest to talk Manchester City is Ryan Bailey. Ryan Bailey is back. Long-time Total Soccer Show listeners will know him as our guest host who comes in on Mondays to do the weekend review with Taylor. But he's also a Man City expert. He's been writing about Man City for The Athletic for the past year. You can also find Ryan on Yahoo and probably a million other places as well. The man is full of energy and he is everywhere. Ryan also supports AFC Wimbledon, an English team with a really fascinating history. And we'll talk about AFC Wimbledon towards the end of today's episode. Okay, enough from me. Let's talk some Manchester City. So joining me on the phone, it's the fifth member of the Beatles and the third member of the Total Soccer Show. It's Ryan Bailey. Hello, Ryan. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Am I the Stuart Sutcliffe? Is, was he the fifth member? Yeah, but I mean, it ended tragically for him. So let's let's hope you're not him. Yeah. <laughs> Pete, no, What's Pete, wrong with the comparison? Pete Best. Pete Best was the drummer um, who at least didn't uh, die a tragic death. So uh, <laughs> Your Beatles knowledge is going deeper than mine today, my yeah. friend. Well, didn't, didn't you grow up in England in the time of uh, the BBC anthology series? Do you remember that? The Beatles anthology stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I learned a lot about the Beatles by uh, watching those. I think I... I I recorded them on VHS and, and rewatched them. If that dates Very me, nice. was that about the time they released "Free as a Bird," the John Lennon demo? Yeah, because that was like the yeah. one new single that they. Uh, yeah, essentially, it's a John oh. Lennon demo, and Paul McCartney just sang over it. That's right. <laughs> Do you think anyone's still listening? By the way, to the show or to "Free yeah, as a Bird"? To, to the show. I mean, the Beatles are still a popular topic. <laughs> 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 so yeah, we also um, we want to announce that uh, Ryan will be back uh, on Mondays doing the weekend review uh, with Taylor. So there's that to look forward to for for the Ryan Bailey fans out there listening to the Total Soccer Show. Uh, All one of you, Mum. Thank oh, you. <laughs> Love to your mother, Ryan. Love to your mother. <laughs> um, but it's great for me to be able to talk to you because normally I'm listening to Taylor talk to you. So yeah, I'm really excited to to have you on my half of the show. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. We're going to talk Manchester City because you are, of course, something of a Manchester City expert. Um, Setting up this, you know, I was thinking of questions to ask and topics to cover. Yes, they're going to win the league. Yes. Right. It's kind of a tough team to preview because they were basically, (laughs) I'll say this, Liverpool were essentially perfect last year and Manchester City were even perfecter. Yeah, <laughs> which is definitely the correct word. Um, so, and not much has changed in the off season, so it's kind of hard to preview, right? Um, so, I guess I want to start by asking, what's the one big off season, pre season thing that's happened to Manchester City? Oh, that's a good question. I think there's a few. Obviously, the biggest signing is Rodri coming in from uh, Atletico Madrid for what a 70 million euro release clause. That's a big deal because of the position he's potentially going to play, um, potentially phasing out Fernandinho and bringing him in. I'm not sure that's going to happen instantly, by the way. I think there might be, uh, well, looking at how important Fernandinho has been to a Pep Guardiola team and how important that position is to a Pep Guardiola team when you look back at, um, you know, Busquets and whatnot. Yeah. I, I think there might be some gradual phasing 
amazing of Rodri, but I think uh, I think Pep said when they were in Asia, he's going to be an important player in the next five to six years, and I think that's going to be true. Maybe not this season, but maybe going forward, he's going to be sort of blooded in, if that makes sense. That seems like a good idea. So there's no pressure on him this season, and then Fernandinho doesn't kind of have to sweat competing for minutes too hard with the yeah. new guy, but there's there's at least some, I guess you'd call it succession planning. It's almost as if this club is quite good at organisation and planning. And if you look at the two <laughs> Manchester clubs and you apply that phrase to the City club, that very much makes sense, doesn't it? it yes, it definitely, it definitely <laughs> does. Um, so what, how much have you seen of Rodri? Like, what do we know about him? Uh, well, we know he's very good at what he does. We know he's been called the new Busquets. Um, I, was, I, I was kind of surprised he was brought in, but in many ways I wasn't because I thought Douglas Lewis might get a promotion. He's gone, he was sold to Aston Villa instead because Pep really talked him up. He was a player, a Brazilian player who was brought in. I think he got sent out to Girona um, City's one of their sister clubs because he couldn't get a visa from the from the UK Home Office. Right. I, I had him pegged to kind of maybe one day take over that slot from his fellow countrymen, but uh, obviously they've gone with the, the Rodri approach here. We know that you know um the kind of role that he played with Atleti will be similar but Atleti are more of a defensive team obviously City are much more offensive so we might get to see a little bit of a different side of him in the final third perhaps more through balls into the box perhaps a bit more um you know cavalier approach to getting into the second uh, half of the field um uh, although when you looked at the, looked at him in the Asian Cup I mean you can't read too much into the preseason games but he was up there he was barely tracking back so he maybe he was trying to <laughs> prove a point to say hey I can get up the field don't worry about me so maybe we'll see um a slightly uh, Cardiola tuning his strings, so to speak. There we go. Uh, the other signing, uh, I don't know if you saw this, I'm hoping you did see it. Um, Jao, <laughs> Jao Cancelo was, what, part exchanged with Danilo. So Cancelo, the uh, 25-year-old Portuguese right-back, is now mm. a Manchester City player. And I assume he's just going to go toe-to-toe with Kyle Walker because I wouldn't imagine Cancelo would want to move, move between big clubs to, to be Kyle Walker's backup. So I think this deal has to be viewed as fantastic news for everyone except the people named Kyle Walker, frankly. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, Danilo Plus, I think it's 26 or 27 million is the number being touted around. That's fantastic business for a player we know is the kind of player that Pep likes. He can play on both. Uh, he's stronger on the right, but he can play on both sides. He can even play a bit of holding midfield. And we know how much Pep loves moving players between those positions. Yep. He's definitely a big upgrade on Danilo. And as you say, I think it's going to be making Kyle Walker sweat. He's, Kyle Walker's been getting the on-pick shouting which Pep likes to dish out occasionally in some recent games so I, I don't know if um, if he's if, if Walker's necessarily first choice this season maybe at the start but maybe not as the season continues but uh, we know Cancelo is the kind of player that Pep loves we know he loves to get up the field we know he loves to dribble we know he likes to put in those low crosses that City like to score 99% of their goals with um, <laughs> so I think it's weird when you think they've got two sort of world-class right backs now yeah and it's also weird when you think of it from the Juventus side. Why would they sell him and Moise Ken? I mean, it looks like it's obviously a financial reason for doing it, but they're, they're taking a big hit on bringing De Ligt in, aren't they, to, to get rid of these two really good players. Maybe they're just shoveling more money at Ronaldo. Maybe so. <laughs> so <laughs> did Kyle Walker do anything specifically wrong? Like, why, why is he getting shouted at, do you know? I, I think, well, who, who knows what menu side Pep was picking on him. I'm sure it was something very slight, but... Kyle Walker going to Kyle Walker. I'm not really sure, <laughs> to be honest with you. Maybe he saw the uh, the UEFA Nations League semi final game. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there's some 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 gallivanting or other. I'm sure. Uh-huh. I'm sure. And then I guess in a weird way. Uh, Cancelo, if he can play left back and can play a bit of defensive midfield, maybe he's kind of the Fabian Delph replacement. Because I thought of Fabian yeah. Delph as like obviously not Man City's best player, 
but very useful in terms of plugging gaps last season. He seemed like he, he's the guy that you could drop in anywhere and make it work. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. And actually, um, I was talking to someone on Twitter earlier, and it, it might be that this is bad news for Angelino, who was the other new signing, if you can call him that, because he was with City and he got bought back from PSV Eindhoven to ostensibly play left back. And you look at where he is in the depth chart, obviously Mendy's going to be ahead of him if he can keep it together fitness-wise, Zinchenko probably too. But then you've got Cancelo who can play on that side too, so maybe he's ahead of him. And then you've got Americ Laporte, who sometimes substitutes or uh, deputises at left back. So he could be fifth in the depth charts, this guy coming in, Angelino on left back. See, That's rough, isn't it? He That's may, rough. He may regret coming back. Yeah, was it one of those things where, my understanding is City sold him relatively cheap, but put a buyback clause in there and decided yeah. to exercise it. But uh, what I read was that they exercised it essentially because other clubs were sniffing around and offering quite a lot of money to PSV for Angelino. So financially, it makes sense to exercise, I think, what was a 15 million buyback if clubs were already willing to pay more than that. Yeah, definitely. I think this was a very low-risk move for them. As you say, it was, it was a cheap uh, deal to buy him back and even getting fringe minutes, League Cup minutes, you could imagine he'd still be able to increase his value while he is at City. So yeah, it makes sense for them. If it, if not, make it doesn't make sense for the player. And if yeah. not, that sentence didn't make not sense. Maybe, double negatives. Maybe he should rent in Manchester <laughs> rather than buy a place. Yeah, he should take he, the Mourinho <laughs> approach. He should live in the hotel. Yes, because you might be on the way uh, fairly <laughs> soon. Um, yeah. I also, are there any other big signings that I've missed? Uh, so we've got Roger, we've got Angelino, we've got uh, Joe Cancelo, Zach Steffen, if you can call him one, if yeah. you can call him a big signing. I, I mean, mean he's for American fans, comes. right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal for, for our side of the pond, but I don't know whether it's a big deal for Zach Steffen. I mean, if you look at the goalkeeper depth chart, so you've got, obviously, Edison number one and Bravo in there. Bravo, who I think might be the best player in the Premier League who doesn't play, for the record. Interesting. And then... I don't know if he comes in third. They've got Daniel Grimshaw, who's a local lad from Manchester, who they haven't given much of a chance to. And they've got Ari Muritz as well. Oh, oh he's been sold off, hasn't he? Scrap that one. Well, OK, he might be He might be third or fourth on the depth chart, is my point. Um, and he's been loaned out, right? Hasn't he gone to Fortuna Dusseldorf or uh, yeah. somewhere in the Bundesliga? So at least he doesn't have to um, watch Edison in training and be like, oh, I'm not that good. That's right, yeah. <laughs> he, doesn't have to, yeah. he doesn't have to be panicked by seeing that every day. <laughs> um, yeah and I think um, perhaps the only other thing to talk about is whether or not uh, any youth products get promoted Darryl. okay and um, the, the one that was sort of talked about a lot on the preseason tour was Taylor um, Howabellis who's sort of this big towering centre-back if you watch some of those preseason games he got more minutes than any other academy player and he does look a lot like John Stones both in the way he moves his body and the way he plays and sort of his physical look as well big tall six foot three guy um, if you were watching on a fuzzy stream, you could have thought it was John Stones playing in those games. So, I mean, there is a there is a, a phenomenon of getting too excited about seeing players preseason. I don't think he's been included in the senior squad just yet. But there's the hint that this academy might just uh, produce a player who gets regular game time. He's from Stockport as well, like Phil Foden, who's the who's become the closest player Ooh. to uh, to break out. So maybe uh, maybe maybe another local lad. Um, gets in at some point. I'm not crossing. I mean, I'm not. I'm not thinking that's going to happen. I'm not too positive about that happening. To be you, honest, would you mind repeating maybe. that name just in case, uh, like a, a certain co-host might have missed it? It's Taylor Harwood Bellis. <laughs> Taylor Harwood Bellis. Oh, is it one of those hyphenated English names? It is indeed. Which are, I, I, I think I need. There's a feature in this somewhere, isn't there? Because yeah. hyphenated names have become. They're everywhere now. Yeah, they're everywhere. I think just fewer people are getting married. Yeah, yeah, it that's, is. That's it's obviously a it, demographic right? thing. It's, it's definitely something thing. about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Phil Foden, I want to ask about Phil Foden. Um, mm-hmm. He seemed to like he had that year last year where you know 
you play uh, a respectable amount of games for a young guy. Um, do we expect him to play more this year or will it just be the same sort of thing where he's you know playing in the League Cup and getting just occasional starts in the Premier League? Yeah, I mean, I expect he he expects to play more. I guess that's why he's still here. Yeah, um, he's not Jaden Sanchoing it yet. No, 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 exactly not. But this might be the season. This this might be the do or die season for him. To be honest, I mean, say if you know they've got no shortage of midfielders. But if Kevin Kevin De Bruyne, um, God forbid, gets injured for half the season again, that mm. potentially opens up a spot. If Leo Sane, excuse me, Leroy Sane is sold, that potentially opens up a spot somewhere in midfield too. And David Silva, you know, his last season in town as well. So you never know. You never know with Phil Foden. We do know that he's definitely uh, Pep has confidence in him, and we know he's got ability. So we'll see him in the cups for sure. Um, whether we see him any more than that in the league remains to be seen. So if Leroy Sané does leave, then it's not like there's going to be a desperate scramble for a replacement player, right? Because that is like a gap that Phil Foden could step into. And there's already plenty of competition for those attacking spaces, right? So yeah, exactly, Sa- yeah. Sané missed out plenty, right? Uh, right last year. Uh, what, what's your understanding on that transfer? Is he going to Bayern Munich or is he not? And we have essentially... 25 hours at time of recording until the transfer window closes. I mean, it might have happened already by the time this hits people's ears. But my understanding is that you know the player wants it to happen and the club kind of want it to happen. So I don't know if it's going to happen, whether the numbers make sense, whether the contracts make sense. Uh, toss, toss a coin, Daryl. I don't know. Toss a coin. All right. that's, isn't that <laughs> that, weird... that's why you get me on here for the kind of cutting analysis, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it a weird situation, though, for such a talented player? Like, How has it come to this where Leroy Sané is... Uh, wanting to leave Man City and Man City are not like they're not desperately trying to keep make him stay yeah it's interesting I mean we had heard that stuff previously about uh, potential problems with his attitude and you know all the stuff with the Germany with the national team and it's not as if City are short of wide players I mean Riyad Mahrez is jamming at the bit to get you know more involvement and yeah. you know Raheem Sterling's there of course and there's several other you know uh, Bernardo Silva can play wide there's, there's plenty of options um, uh, with wit so it, it, he's he's a he's a luxury they can afford to lose at this point for sure. Ooh, all right, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, pro- you're probably right. By the time people hear this, it might have been it might have been resolved. <laughs> old news. Yeah, old news. Um, Vincent Company um, has left to become player manager. How much do Man City will Man City miss Vincent Company? Scorer of the goal that won the Premier League last year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, he he didn't obviously get as many minutes as he has in previous seasons, last season, but he's one of those intangible dressing room presences, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, that's and it's whether someone of. else steps up to become said uh, t- uh, dressing room presence. I mean, when you looked at the All or Nothing documentary and you saw the sort of the, the confident voices in there, it was him. And to be honest, like Fabian Delph seemed to have quite a bit of command over that room, and he's gone too. So, I mean, I don't know if that's a problem necessarily and when you've got someone as charismatic and bouncing off the walls as, as Pep Guardiola does, but we shall see. And it, it, it's, his, it's that intangible influence, I think, rather than the uh, influence on the field. Although, I mean, when you look at this, the, the centre-back situation there, John Stones, Laporte and Otamendi, Mangala's still banished forever. <laughs> he's still on the wage list, but they're trying yeah, to get rid of him still, which some, is odd. He's in some weird limbo, right, where they keep him as part of the first team squad but never ever let him play yeah I mean he was a record he was like 28 million something back in the day he was a record defensive signing wasn't he and he's just completely nowhere near the plans which must be 
I mean, maybe it's nice for him. Maybe he does some Gareth Bale on clothes, goes and plays golf. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> it's pr- certainly frustrating for his career. But anyway, he's out of the picture. So you're looking at three senior centre-backs. And when you look at potential depth chart at full-back being sort of five players, perhaps there's concern there. And perhaps that's where someone like Taylor Harwood-Bellis gets his um, <laughs> gets his start. So we shall we shall see on that one. Who do you think is the starting two between uh, Stones, uh, Otamendi and Laporte? Um, probably Stones and Laporte, I would say. I think okay. that was one. Of, I think that was the top combo last season. Um, it depends on the kind of opposition they face. When it's when it's play, uh, sort of uh, how do I say this? Less um, uh, teams that like to get the ball in the air, sort of going forward a bit more, a bit more gung ho, a bit more ninety style. Yeah. Then it tends to be sort of an Otamendi or someone who's better in the air when it when when it requires sort of a bit more play on the floor in the Champions League. You get your you get your stones involved, so it does it does depend on the opposition. He does tailor his centre backs quite a bit, I, I seem to see. But I mean, Stones and Laporte uh, is the I'd say the primo the and primo combo certainly for this season. How are we feeling in general about John Stones? And I say this as an England fan. I'm going to assume you're also an England fan. Um, yeah. I always want the best for John Stones because I think he could be that sort of linchpin central defender. I mean, he kind of is, right? He seems to be Southgate's first choice. Yeah. Um, in the back anyway but then I always worry if he's struggling at Manchester City like he was a couple of times uh, last season so where are we at on the sort of the, the John Stones panic rate <laughs> panic meter <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally don't panic I think I think that's a bit uh, blown out of proportion that panic stuff and you look at obviously he had a rough start when he first came to Man City and he, he, he does have a mistake in him we all know that but I mean at least he didn't get the the Bravo um, treatment where he made yeah. a few too many mistakes and I mean you talk I, I was talking to Curtis Anderson who was a City uh, Academy uh, product for for uh, for the Athletic a piece I wrote about him and uh, he's he's playing out here in Charlotte North Carolina now and he was saying that Bravo was better with the ball at his feet he was better than Edison in many ways in training so it just goes to show that a few mistakes on the field really does alter one's career um, but I think I don't have any issues with Stones personally i think i think he's much more than capable i think he's pretty well class and i mean if you if you had to choose between him and say harry Maguire in this lineup i'd choose stones okay but he's still not quite like virgil van dyke you know what i'm saying no sure who, who is i guess only virgil van dyke <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, interesting that we saw um uh, um was it was it um sorry saying that he was desperate for um t- other clubs to try and keep van dyke out of man city's hands when he was up for sale because uh, he thought that that, um, that would that just would end it. That gone. would just be the end be, of competition. That would be the end of all soccer in, in England, basically. <laughs> I'm interrupting Ryan Bailey to talk to Taylor Rockwell. Taylor, this is the final time I will interrupt your vacation. I absolutely promise. Also, hello. Hello. <laughs> oh, you sound down this time. Is this one interruption too many? No, it's mostly just that I know I can't compete with like the chipper energy that is Ryan Bailey so I feel like I'll just go the opposite direction and not even try he was chipper right um it's of it's, course he always is yeah uh, Ryan chi- Bailey could be like like trapped in like a like like sim- like about to sink into a volcano and he's gonna be like how you doing today you doing all right it's good to see you like he's he's so polite and charming he's a cheeky chappy is what he is he's a cheeky chappy there we are. <laughs> um so it's kind of weird right like you obviously do the show um on mondays with ryan this mm-hmm. is the first time i've interviewed him we've still never had all three of us on the same show like this doesn't quite count because we're on the same show but in separate parts it's also the case that we, we've been going to more events in the last few years, and we've met a lot of people. Ryan remains one of the elusive ones that we've never met Ryan in the flesh. I don't believe, at least. Maybe you have. 
but I, I can't haven't. Not. I keep thinking we have because we talk to him so much. Yeah, it's like I feel exactly. like I've shook hands with him, and I haven't. <laughs> we should make that happen, right? He's down in North Carolina. He's not that far away. Let's, yeah. let's do a surprise visit. Let's turn up on his door one day. Oh, I, I'm sure he'd love that. <laughs> but, but see, here's the thing. He probably would. He'd be like, oh, hello, Chad. Of course, yeah. I have a key ready for you somehow. <laughs> I would turn up We'd and say, I would say, hello and welcome us into your house. <laughs> oh, you've already made dinner. It's Perfect. an invitation. We'll and join also you. <laughs> Uh, so what what could you possibly talking, be talking to Ryan Bailey about, Daryl? I was talking to him about Manchester City. I'm talking to uh, you yes, about fbref.com, footballreference.com, mm-hmm. fbref.com. We talked about them during the Women's World Cup, but they also have all kinds of Premier League statistics. I've pulled up some Manchester City statistics, Taylor, that I am excited mm-hmm. to share with you. Now, Man City would... There's a good one, right? That's what the statistics tell me, is that they, they win games? They certainly do. Uh, <laughs> on today's right. show, I don't know if we've talked about it already yet, but Leroy Sané may be leaving Manchester City uh, for Bayern yeah. Munich. Did you know he was the assist leader for Man City last year, despite not playing in all the games? No, I would not have thought that. I would have thought maybe Aguero, maybe Sterling. But yeah, definitely not Sané. That's impressive. Yeah, I mean, he had far few, he only had 21 starts, so like 10 fewer starts and say... Bernardo Silva or Raheem Sterling. Uh, David Silva had 28 starts, but it was Leroy Sané that got 10 goals, 10 assists, even in what would be considered a sort of uh, down year, right? Wow, that's really impressive. But both the assists and the goals, obviously. 10, 10 goals is like no mean feat. It's just that when you're playing in a team like Man City who score all of the goals, yeah. it doesn't seem as impressive, but it definitely is. <laughs> and it still is one that I, I do think if they end up letting him go, maybe they will. I don't really know. But it feels like that will be one that they end up regretting because he's just so good. And I just remember so many times last season watching his performances and just thinking, like, I genuinely don't know how you defend this guy because he's <laughs> so good at so many different things. So the weird part of this is he's not even the statistically most impressive player going down the left for Manchester City. Can you guess who I'm talking about? And I'm guessing you can't because I don't remember him having a great season. I think you've just given it away. Is it Benjamin Mendy? It's Benjamin Mendy. Okay, so yeah. Benjamin Mendy... <laughs> Only played 10 games, right? Ten, mm-hmm. 10 games, 10 starts. That's what Benjamin Mendy did. In 10 games, how many assists do you think Benjamin Mendy got? See, okay, so this is the, 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 the error here, the flaw here that always makes it hard is that by bringing it up, you're telling me it's more than I would expect. Yeah. Because I would have said zero, but it was 10. He it played 10, 10 games, games. yeah. I'll say like four. Five. He's five. What? Five assists in ten games, so an assist every other game from left back for Benjamin Mendy. There really is like like shooting fish in a barrel or something. I'm just like I, I think he just kicked a ball and like somebody finished it somehow. Like that's how easy it is to get assists with Man City. Maybe if you Benjamin Mendy, it is yeah. Yeah, maybe also the fact that he's a world class athlete. He's very good. That probably doesn't hurt. That certainly helps. Um, for, <laughs> for more stats like this, you can go to fbref.com and you can click on Premier League. You can like search any Premier League team. You can go to seasons past, obviously, because we're talking about now a season that is long expired, right? The 2018-19 season. Um, stats for the new season will be updated as the season progresses. And there's also, of course, the newsletter, the stat head newsletter that you can sign up for at fbref.com. Com. Taylor, do you think I've said the URL enough times? No, one more time, please. fbref.com. And if you can't remember that, it'll be in the show notes. So you can click the link there and take a look at fbref.com. Did it one more time. All right. I, yeah, I appreciate that. I do want to, you still have the Man City stats in front of you? I do, yeah. I still have the page for last season, yeah. All right, nice. Was, it, uh, was Aguero their top scorer? 
I feel like he was, but I'm not sure. Okay, well, on FB Ref, you can, uh, you can click goals and it will sort by most uh-huh. goals. And the answer is very much yes. Sergio Aguero okay, scored cool. 21 yeah. Premier League goals. Raheem Sterling got 17. Wow. Decent. Decent yeah. returns there for both of them. And then Leroy Sané, third top scorer with 10. How about that? All right. I'm saying, keep him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my expert advice, Ned City. Oh, you, you should be the director of football. Um, Tyler, have you, got, have you got anything else to add before I officially let you go back to your vacation forever? I mean, I feel like you were trying to hurt me by pointing out that they actually have a director of football, but no, that's all <laughs> I have to add. Thanks for that, Daryl. Go back to the island now. All right. Thank you, Taylor. I, will, I promise I will leave you in peace now, and I will get back to talking to cheeky chappy Mr. Ryan Bailey. Um, all right, so here's an interesting part of the show. Um, every preview I've done so far, I've sort of asked the the team expert to describe the playing style um, of you know the coach and the team. I feel like with Guardiola, it's such a <laughs> it's such an established thing that we all kind of know. But I wouldn't mind going back to basics and just uh, if you don't mind having you sort of describe how Manchester City play under Pep Guardiola. Beautifully. <laughs> Basically, uh, they, they uh, well, as you know, Pep likes a four-three-three. He likes yep. his fullbacks to get up and get involved. Um, you know, as I say, there, the defensive midfield position is basically the anchor, the key of, of of his team. Likes lots of short passes. Likes to score a very similar goal where the uh, fullbacks or the wingers bring the ball to the to the byline and cut the ball back for a simple tapping goal. We see that time in, time out, and it we catches. Do. It's like the Arjun right. Robin move. It catches them out every time. How I, I want to stop on that for a second. How is it? That that is always effective. Like why why haven't teams figured out how to stop that? Is there something City do that make it impossible to track the guy who's essentially going to the penalty spot? Right, that seems to be roughly yeah. where it gets cut back to. Yeah, it's 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 a, de- a testament to the to, to the central players, to Aguero and whatnot, or Gabriel Jesus, who are receiving the ball on that penalty spot. It's a testament to the way they find space in the box. And obviously, we know they've got quick wide players, and they can move the ball very quickly wide, and that's how that goal gets set up. But yeah, it's it's a lot of what you see off the ball, I suppose, which may, perhaps doesn't get appreciated for sure. All right, sorry, I stopped you mid flow there. You were describing uh, what else? What else, Man City do? Oh, I think that was about it. Four three three, <laughs> lots of really good players passing the ball along the floor. Uh, I suppose they've got different kinds of um, fullbacks. Uh, you've got your, your your Benjamin Mendy, who's sort of the outside. He likes to overlap and um, put crosses in the aforementioned crosses. And then you've got the player like Zinchenko, where he likes to cut in and play the ball into the middle. So it depends on kind of the opposition of which kind of fullback he plays. You can keep an eye out for that kind of thing. And I think Angelino might be one of the cut-in fullbacks so okay. that might um, that might help his position on the depth charts in some cases what have I missed I think that's about it all right what about defensively <laughs> um, I know they don't they end up not doing a lot of defending but how do Man City defend <laughs> uh, obviously it's all built bit out from the back obviously it's taking what, what we call in England taking a lot of risks yeah um, this is the John Stones but, problem a little bit right is that he yeah. just does so many things so confidently like, he'll just like kind of glide past a, a striker who's defending him when he has the ball but there'll be like mm. one time out of 20 where he tries to glide past and he he gets stuck or he tries a pass that turns out not to be on yeah and I mean fortune favors the brave in his instances I think and I think that's the sort of thing that Pep encourages yeah and he said so and I think the presence of Edison has really amped up that sort of uh taking risks from the back because you see the one touches he takes you see the one twos he plays with his defenders he's got as we know he's got ice in his veins and I think he really sort of he, he sets the tone because he's the he's the player who starts with the ball he starts the moves he sets the tone for the way the ball moves and it is all inevitably out to his defenders you you seldom see a long ball and when you do it's executed pretty darn well I've, one thing occurs to me is 
unless I've got this wrong, the, the new rule that I think only came in June where you can pass the ball inside your own box to a player from mm. a goal kick, that seems to favour Manchester City because it means they can... <laughs> it's one extra angle for... The, it just It's easier for them to begin that build-out play, right? Yeah, um, it means so, they can get even shorter back there, yeah. Yeah, so it seems like Man City were, as we said, even more perfecter than Liverpool last year. And yeah. then iFab and FIFA went and tweaked the rules to favour Manchester City even more. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it, huh? <laughs> Amazing stuff. It doesn't seem fair. It I mean, I, when, when I've been asked about how... I, I, th- I do think City are going to win the league, but I think they'll have a tougher time of it. I think perhaps they might have some issues at centre-back with the depth when, when you know, this is a team that's going to play 60-plus games this season. I, I think the, the the level of competition in the Premier League is increasing daily. Um, I think, you know, it's not just going to be the big six sides taking points off each other. We saw City lose to, what was it, Palace, to Leicester, to Newcastle, those kind of level teams last season when they had that wobble in the middle of the year. They lost four league games last season. I think they could lose maybe six. That, that's my prediction. Because it is different, right? Like, no matter how much of a great team Pep builds... I think you can never have the dominance that he had in La Liga with Barcelona or in yeah. Germany with Bayern. You can't have that in the Premier League. So my opinion is there's too much money and there's too many mid-table teams that are actually, in terms of their ranking in world football, are probably very, very, very strong teams. But you never, see, you never see them in the Champions League because they can't quite crack that top four, right? So yeah, I think it's a much more... It's testament to Guardiola's success, I think, that he's managed to put a team together that even, even slightly resembles the dominance of Barca and Bayern in the Premier League. Yeah, I 100% agree. And when you look back at, say, like when, when Guardiola joined City and you saw the memes like, oh, La Liga and Bundesliga tactics don't work in the Premier League, you're going to get bitten hard. Yeah. I mean, his, his first season was rough and he admitted that, but I think you suffice to say that he's, uh, he's done all right since then. <laughs> Good take here, Pep. He's done all right. He's done all right for himself, that lad. Yeah. Um, is there anything that worries you as a Man City... I guess you're not really a Man City fan, right? But as a Man no. City expert Man City watcher is there any crack that you see in the sort of the the terrifying facade of Manchester City it is terrifying isn't it I mean the only thing I I, I, I thought about this question and the obvious answer is something like complacency when you're that good yeah and you look at the caliber of uh, uh, opposition they 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 lost to last season you look at sometimes Pep's tendency to overthink games with his with his tactics when you look back to say the Tottenham semi-final in the Champions League with the way he um, the the personnel he put on the field and whatnot, and there is that accusation of him sometimes that he gets in his own way. But otherwise, I mean, no. I mean, the the only <laughs> thing is slight a slight lack of depth at centre back, as I've mentioned. But they're still pretty strong there. What about the uh, the Champions League? I think you're right that the the overthinking we see from Pep tends to happen in the Champions League, and it it may be that there's just too long of a build up and too big of a game, and he does like end up probably filling seven notebooks of ideas for things I want yeah. to, things I'd like to do in this game is what the uh, the notebook is titled is there a chance <laughs> it does become like a weird holy grail thing for Pep to win the Champions League with Man City with each, with each season that they look like such a dominant team but somehow don't win the Champions League Oh, I think it has to be. I mean, he, uh, it's obviously the, the aim of the owners for for them to win the Champions League. I mean, they've done everything else, of course. Uh, and obviously, you know, he needs to get off his back the uh, bald fraud, can't win it without Messi accusations. Right. So. I forgot he didn't win it with Bayern, did he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think what is it? He's, he's got that getting to the semi-finals record thereafter, hasn't he? So mm. it's, uh, yeah, that has to be the aim this season. And they were favourites to win it last season. I don't doubt they'll be favourites again to win it this season. And I don't see why they can't. Fair enough. Well, one thing I think is, I, I look at Pep and I think he's someone who, you never see him like 
pick a weakened team to to rest up for an upcoming Champions League game, right? He's very much <laughs> I admire I really admire it. He's very much like the next game is all important and I'm picking my strongest team. Um, yeah. and I wonder if maybe that is part of the reason uh like just like a, a lack of squad rotation almost in terms of prioritizing games is maybe one of the reasons why they often fall short in the Champions League. Yeah, we saw that once or twice last season. I think you're quite right to to pick up on that. And there was a few lineups that came out and they're against lower half relegation teams you're like oh you sure you want to play him against Huddersfield yeah but yeah it's um that, that that's maybe that's another example of him getting his own way and you know, getting in his own way and overthinking things a little bit so but you know he, he, he they, they know what they're doing they're building a very deep squad here they're building a squad that is going to compete on four fronts and that's exactly what they're going to do is there anything I haven't asked you about in terms of Manchester City that you expected to talk about this is like my catch-all question towards the end of the uh, towards um, the end of the preview I don't like their kit very much, if you want to talk about that. <laughs> I do. Well, so what is it? I mean, I, I think of it as just kind of looking the same every season. Have they done something different? It's quite different because it's got these sort of purple epithets on the, on the shoulders, these big blocks of purple. And, but, For the home kit? Uh, for the home kit, yeah, oh yeah, it's this new new Puma kits they've got now, and um, it, for some reason purple has become a Man City colour over the last few years. It's not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure why. And uh, if you saw the Community Shield, they played in this sort of one-off 125th anniversary kit, and it was sort of like the kit you'd see in the kind of the 60s and the 50s, just very plain uh, round neck, white trim. It was beautiful, mm. and I don't know why Puma didn't say, "Well, slap a slap a uh, an, uh, an Arab airline sponsor on the front of that, and that can be our kit." <laughs> But you know they've gone a bit more, a bit a bit crazy. And if you if you look at their third kit, Daryl, oh, it's it's one of those tequila sunrise jobs. It's fun. Oh, I'll be googling that after this <laughs> after this interview. Then. Yeah, yeah. I just looked at the Man City badge. Actually, there's no purple in it, right? So there's no good reason. Oh no, is it? Um, do, do the uh, the family that owns Man City um, is the national flag have any purple in it? It's kind of a maroon, isn't it? I'm not sure. That's a good question. I'll look it up. Maybe, maybe the walls of the Hacienda were purple for one week in 1994. I don't know. <laughs> Tony Wilson ran riot <laughs> and everything went purple. There you go. <laughs> All right. So enough Man City. I want to ask you about the team that you support heart and soul. Ah, yes. AFC Wimbledon. Um, they are now in League One. Is that correct? That is correct. Still in League One, hanging on by the skin of our teeth for, after last season. Did, were you only just not relegated last season? Correct. All right. And how are things looking? Because if people don't know, I think you did an interview maybe with Taylor about the entire AFC Wimbledon story. Um, yeah. So I'm going to give the potted history, if you don't mind, just to give people the quick background. Uh, Please do. But there was a team, right? Wimbledon, Vinnie Jones, John Fashionew, Dennis Wise, all that. Um, mm-hmm. Played at Plough Lane, top division in England. Like really great, like fairy tale team that rose through the divisions. And then the team was moved to Milton Keynes, which is not near Wimbledon. <laughs> um, it's one of those like newly built towns, right? And yeah. uh, many people like yourself said, I am not supporting that team. That is not Wimbledon. Um, also, this is not how soccer should work. But then AFC Wimbledon was formed essentially uh, as the rebirth of the original Wimbledon. And they started, as, I, as far as I understand, essentially as an amateur team. And they've risen through the ranks. And now they're a professional team in League One. Is that, um, is that broadly correct? I'm sure there's more detail yeah. to it. That is very much correct. Team was moved away to another team, the first uh, another city, the first example of franchising in basically European soccer. Yeah, um, we rejected that. Started a team literally with trials in the park with random strangers. Uh, one thing led to another. We entered the ninth tier of English soccer, uh, <laughs> and um, in 2011 came into the football league, and we're in League One now. And it's uh, it's the second time we've done a fairy tale story. Basically, we're a very small club, and you know, um, there's a club up the road called Chelsea who get a lot more fans <laughs> than us. So. <laughs> I've heard um, of it. 
Yeah, yeah, we're, we're a bit more known for uh, racket sports in Wimbledon. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's a fairy tale story. And the, the story is about to come full circle because we've been playing uh, in Kingston, Kingstonian, which is not a million miles away uh, since the rebirth of AFC Wimbledon. But next season, hopefully, because the stadium is being built right now, a brand new stadium, 200 metres from the original plow lane um and we're actually funding for that at the moment and if you go to asuwimbledon.co.uk you can actually sponsor um the minimum is 10 pounds and for 10 pounds you can have your name on the sponsors wall you can join uh, illustrious uh, members like myself and the author john green how about that he's got his own stand so that you know he's he's got a bigger name than me he gave a bit um, more than 10 pounds I would encourage anyone who who likes our story to uh, get on get on our website and um, uh, you know uh, help fund it and help be a part of the history. So how the the fairy tale rise from the ninth tier to the third tier? That's yeah. pretty fast, right? It was nine years. Some, it took nine years. That's amazing. So was there some funding or is it all crowdfunding? Like how or is it just good management? Like how has this happened? I like to say a combination of all of those things. Basically, it was. Uh, I mean, what, at the start we had sort of a, a base of four three or four thousand fans who come to these games against uh teams who'd have one man in their dog watching so, you so know, that's the financial it, advantage that afc wimbledon had is that it had yeah. an inbuilt support group ready like a group of supporters ready to go yeah yes yeah, so we have a small fan base relative to our size now or to a championship size let's say but you know in those very low tiers we were dominating everybody and could you know had better players and sort of worked our way up relatively quickly that's not to diminish the achievement of course because um, no one else has done it that quickly. Yeah. So, <laughs> cool. um, so, so yeah, it's it's just been. I mean, going. To, if I'm honest with you, it was around sort of past the turn of millennium, 2000, 2001, when the team there was all these rumours of the team being moved away, and I fell out of love with the game. I just didn't enjoy going anymore. I had a season ticket and. It was just miserable. It was just chanting against the owners every week. It was just, you know, you weren't even there to watch the game, really. And it just you just left it with a, a miserable feeling in the pit of your stomach. And since this new team has started, it's like, it sounds cliche, but it's a new lease of life. You know, I've, I've fell back in love with the game pretty quickly. And I feel like more than ever, I'm a part of something because I am. You know, I'm a, I'm a co-owner of this team. I've got, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, it's, it means something. Ooh, okay. And how big will the new stadium be? <laughs> How many it's going to be. It's going to start off at nine thousand, but there's room to grow, baby. All right, so you could be challenging Man City one day. You never know. Definitely. You never. Well, you know, know. It's, it's happened before, and it's happened before to us. So <laughs> who knows? Oh yeah, beating Liverpool in the FA Cup final, right? Exactly. Well, um, getting getting up to the top tier, being a tiny team playing at Plough Lane, and you know, be, beating the beating the giants of the game at that stadium, and what's going to happen two hundred yards down the road now? All right, I've got to raise a slightly sore subject and mention the uh, the League Cup draw. I noticed that next Tuesday, AFC Wimbledon are actually playing MK Duns, the uh, the franchise moving team uh, that's that originally uh, started with Wimbledon. Yes, um, you mentioned to me off air because I just mentioned this this to you off air before we started recording. But you essentially are just not interested in this game, right? No, I mean, I've been asked like, you must be loving playing them and you know defeat them and show them what they're about. And they got they were relegated, so we were, we were a tier above them uh, last season. We almost switched places, actually. That didn't happen in the end, though, thanks to the excellent management of Wally Downs. That's another story altogether. But I, I don't like to acknowledge their existence as an entity. I think if I went along and went to one of their games, and you know, even if I bought a program or whatnot, I'm kind of acknowledging that they're a thing and I don't want to do that. I don't want to say their name. And so this, one is, bonus this is more than a rivalry then, right? This isn't just the way like Arsenal fans hate Tottenham. This is more oh, like it's not I just, don't even acknowledge your existence. This, yeah, this is, this is pure theft. You know, it's, it's basically murder of a club, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it's, it's, much, it's much, much more than, oh, they, they're, they're based near us. We don't like them very much. I think it's, it runs much deeper than that. And it's a, it's a relationship that two teams 
have that is quite unique, I think, in soccer. But um, one bone of contention is that last time they came to our place, um, we didn't put their name anywhere on the programme or anywhere <laughs> on the scoreboard. It just said MK. Um, and th- we got reprimanded by the Football League and fined for it. And uh, if that's what the Football League want to spend their time doing, then, you know, all, all the power to them. But I, I think, I, I, personally, I would crowdfund to get that fine paid again, to not do it again. Yeah, it seems like some glorious pettiness, especially knowing that the, uh, the fines come just thinking, yeah, we'll, we'll just pay it. That's but I, don't you think the Football League could have had a bit of nuance in that case? Yeah, especially, given the relationship? isn't the Football League the entity that essentially uh, approved the move as well? Yeah, yeah, they, they sanctioned it. It, it. Absolutely. It was the week when David Beckham broke his metatarsal before the World Cup. Oh. So that was in the storylines and it got buried away, this news that Wimbledon was basically killed. Um, so it was, it, was, it was shamefully done. It was done by an arbitration panel um, very, in very shady circumstances. And, you know, so we sort of lost respect for the, uh, for, the, for the powers that be with good course at that point. Oh, OK. So I've, I've, I've been closing all these interviews by saying... To the expert, best of luck to you know your Premier League team this season. I'm going to say Man City don't need any luck. They, <laughs> so I'm going to say best of luck to AFC Wimbledon this season. That's very kind. Thank you very much. And as I say, we're trying to raise £7 million right now. I think we've got a couple of million down already. So if you want to go to afcwimbledon.co.uk, hard-earned cash is much appreciated. I will put a link in the show notes so people can easily click on it and navigate themselves there. You're too um, kind. If, there's, uh, if people want to sort of see more of your work, Ryan, I know you're kind of a... I think of you as like a prolific freelancer who's got a hand, <laughs> a hand in many pies. Uh, where, where, can people, where can people see and find your work? That's very kind. I'm working for uh, The Athletic at the moment, have been uh, for the past year or so. I, I do a lot of work for Yahoo Sports too, and I'm floating in and out. And uh, as you mentioned, might be found uh, in this very parish uh, now and again too. Oh, yeah. So this Monday, hopefully, there'll be a weekend review of all the Premier League action. You'll be talking all about Christian Pulisic's double hat-trick that he's going to score. <laughs> double hat-trick? I'm oh, pretty I just sure. hat-trick. That's good. That's I'm pretty good. sure that's how he's going to start it. Um, <laughs> I will close by saying, Ryan, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Always a pleasure, never a chore. <laughs> All right, listeners, thank you for listening. And as Ryan said, he'll be back on Monday. Hold up. 